Hello. Hello, Merlin. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Mm, very tired and uh, such a strange situation going on. How are you doing uh, way up way up there? <laughs> uh, I'm fine. I, Good. Uh, hang on. Uh, I gotta fix my free PC. Yeah, fix, fix it. <laughs> um... I, yeah, I, I have not followed this closely, but uh, things I've gleaned make me think that uh, things are a little crazy in Texas. Everything's yeah. bigger there, is what they say. Yeah, um, yeah. and the star, the stars at night, they shine so big and bright. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and sorry if there's noise and stuff because it's not my regular setup. I'm in in, in my uh, den. Um, <laughs> with I didn't my know you had a den. That's travel cool. setup. Yeah. Um, so basically, Dan, you sound stressed out. Are you sure you want to do this? Yeah, let's do it. No, we gotta we gotta do it. I'm just tired. Right. I'm not stressed. I'm just tired. Um not stressed. You're not, you're not stressed. No, you're stressed. What's going on in what's going on in Texas? Is this is this a weather event? Yeah. So what happened is a, a few days ago we had a uh, you know, like once every twenty or thirty years, apparently, Texas has one of these like perfect storm type situations where it uh, it snows here and we so we started out with Hmm. some freezing rain and then the freezing rain turned to snow and then uh it there's i think at the low point in my backyard it's about six inches of snow that we have on the ground and weathers went down to single digits so none of these things are normal for texas and we're we're built puts a lot of stressors on the system it really really does and what texas texas homes and texas infrastructure is built around defending against heat and moisture and mosquitoes and things like that it's not built to insulate homes really when it's eight degrees outside which is what it's been i think it's like 19 now uh so this put a strain. This is my limited understanding of it, and what's of course the bureaucracy of Texas government hasn't really said exactly what's going on. But what's supposed to happen in a situation where there's a sudden incredible demand on our electric infrastructure? And by the way, Texas, the power grid in Texas is completely separate. Yeah, you have your own grid. Is that correct? Correct. You are right. We have our wow. own separate. Uh, power grid here that is completely disconnected from the rest of the country. So if if someone, let's just say someone in Pennsylvania, if there was problems with power in Pennsylvania, my understanding is that they could draw power from, for example, New York State uh, or any other states that are close, or maybe even a state across the country from uh, Ohio or who knows where, somewhere else. We can't do that in Texas. We're completely separate. And uh, of course, there's reasons that I don't fully understand, but I think it's all about people making money. Of course, it's always about people making money. So I don't know. But at any rate, we're separate. So what that means is when our uh, grid has problems, it can't, it can't borrow or pay for electricity or power from another neighboring state. So what happens is we're kind of... Oh, it's not hooked up. I get, we're not okay, hooked up. So, well, yeah. I mean, like, for example, a well-known weird fact is that San Francisco's drinking water comes from far away. Oh, right, right, right. To hear, but it's like another way to think about it is like when there's a fire and you send in, you, you know, it seems like there's a lot of collegiality of like, okay, there's a fire here, and then people all around the region send firefighters and equipment yeah. to help with that because really uh, all you need is road. But in your case, it's not, ex- it's, there's no way to do anything. You get what you get and you don't get upset. You're stuck with that grid. That's right. And so we have different <laughs> sources of power in Texas. Um, some of the sources of power are nuclear, some of them, or, or nuclear, as you say. 
Um, mm-hmm. Some of them... Electro, electro College. Right, I think. right. Yeah. The Electro College mm-hmm. generates a lot of power. power. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then you have, uh, you also have, you know, regular power plants. And then you also have uh, apparently a, a large percentage, I didn't realize this, actually comes from like wind turbines. Which so, is heavily affected by cold temperatures. It, you are correct. All of these things yeah. are new I, things I, learned I didn't know. I that this know. week. I had no idea. I, knew I, that, I know Mr. Trump says it kills birds uh-huh. and decreases uh, <laughs> property values in Scotland, but I, I had no idea. Um, it's, it seems like it's just this wind, but I guess they freeze up or similar? Yes, that's exactly what happened. So what... Here, uh, um, Here's what I've been able to understand. Now, there is a, there is a thing here that you're, you may see now, but you're definitely going to see a lot of in the future because people are hating it right now. It's something called ERCOT, which is the Electric Reliability Council of Texas. And these guys Ooh. are <laughs> responsible for managing the flow of electric power through all of the Texas interconnections that basically are what supplies us power. So 25 million Texas customers, 90% of the state... Uh, is governed who gets power and how it comes from this ERCOT system. And that's about as much as I know about what ERCOT is and what it does. But basically they determine how power is sent out. So in a situation like this, what happened is on Sunday night at like 11 PM Sunday night, multiple generating generate generators began tripping offline because of the severe cold weather that we were having. And uh, so equipment literally froze when we got to these single digits, like it froze and stopped working. And this is because a lot of these plants didn't winterize their equipment because normally you don't have, it's supposed to be about 45, 50 degrees right now. And for like the last 20 years, it always has been. Um, So basically what happens is a lot of these wind turbines, I think like 50% of them froze. And so what what that meant was that they had something like 35,000 megawatts of electricity was taken away. And so a single megawatt, one megawatt, is 500 homes. So that should give you an idea of how much power we're, we're without right now. And so what they're supposed to do is something called, which I know you guys know about there in, in California, are the uh, rotating outages. So what's supposed to happen... In front of the show, Greg Pierce, the man who makes drafts, just says, when Texas announced rolling power outages, they didn't make it clear that it meant, if you want power, you better roll your ass somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, I saw his that's tweet a way, for that. That's a way of, of sharing the, uh, the, the the burden and uh, of a system they anticipate being overstressed, which... We're going to get into this, I know, which California system, like so many, is. Yeah. It ends up affect it ends up affecting everything. Correct. And then you have to find the places that are going to be least. Here we go. My once a year usage, least impacted uh-huh. by a blackout. So San Francisco <laughs> gets a pass on a lot of this stuff in a way I don't completely understand. Yeah. But there will be times where up where Todd and Jason Snell live, like it just the rain is heavier. The blackouts are harder. The fires are worse. There's just places that end up being affected so badly by these kinds of things. And, you know, it's almost like the way in Florida, you know, there's the old joke about tornadoes and trailer parks. That's because trailer parks are built in the cheapest part of every town, low lying areas that are heavily affected by things like floods and tornadoes. You know, it's not because they sinned. It's because they live in a place that gets heavily affected by that. And then when all of those, all of those, I'm jumping ahead here, but when all of those systems are even a little challenged at the same time, you realize how interconnected it all mm-hmm. is and how fragile it is, 
given that the conditions or the spec that led to these separate pieces being put together were never, you never had to game out what would happen in these edge cases, right? Exactly right. No, you're completely right. And so what, what apparently it, during what, what was supposed to be this ro rolling blackouts. So it was supposed to be, um, it was supposed to be this, this place. This place loses power for a while. Then, then they they get their power back. The next place loses power for and a while. And it's supposed to be forty minutes, four zero okay. minutes. Well, what happened was when this started, this process began because these uh, generators were then, I guess, tripping and turning off. The people who ran, were randomly selected to lose their power for forty minutes, it just stayed off for them, and it's been off this whole time. So instead of rotating to the next person hmm. and bringing them back online, they weren't able for, I, and again, this is the part I don't understand, but they weren't able to bring those people back online. So I know people, I have multiple friends here. So, so the ability to do a rolling blackout, and I, I may be getting over my skis here, but the ability to plan and then implement a rolling blackout and keep it rolling right. and not just blackout right. is predicated on the idea that you will maintain control over the systems that, that generate that the actual happen. power, and which that, yeah. sounds obvious, but right, right. if you if the, if the button's not connected to anything, it stops rolling. That's my and understanding. Now it's just blackout. It's just blackout. Yeah. And so those people who have been without power, and I know, like I said, I know a handful of people who were finally got power, like you know, like yesterday, late in the day yesterday, some people got it. Other people have gotten it for a few minutes, and then it's gone back off again. Um, for, for, you know, the last, over the last few weeks, we've had a couple different things. We, it actually snowed a few weeks ago here. And then last weekend we had, was it last weekend? Um, time has no meaning anymore. Recently we had another like ice storm. Both times we lost power here. And last week, last weekend when it happened, we were without power for like 15 hours. So it was a oh long, it was a long time, not as long as these people now have been dealing with. And it was in the twenties, not in the single digits like it has been here. So uh, for whatever strange reason, I've had power this whole time. And I almost oh like, my. I feel like really guilty saying that. I feel that. the same way. I feel the same way when San Francisco gets a pass and everybody in Marin is in the dark. Yeah, like it I'm... Seems, it seems unjust. Like why do I have it this time and the last two times we were without it? Did we pay our karmic debt the last two times? I don't know. You know what I mean? But, but you like, do live in Texas, which is pretty rough to begin with. <laughs> but... <laughs> but like we've had it, and so uh, there's like, no basement at the Alamo. <laughs> but we've been we've been trying to um, we've been trying to conserve. So they say that for people who do have power, like they want you to conserve. So like even though we can use our heat, we have it set like way low, and we're not using lights when we don't need them, and you know other things like that. But we also have gas here, so like we are my um, my water heater is powered by gas, and like our our uh, stovetop is, is gas and we have a gas fireplace. So we're actually been using the gas fireplace to try to, you know, do more with that. So we don't have to put as much of a load. And supposedly if people do that, mm -hmm. it helps this thing come back faster. But finally today, we're actually going to get temperatures in the upper twenties. So even though that's not quite, um, above freezing, it's enough that some things will start to melt, but t tonight we're getting more snow so we have, or rain or freezing rain, we don't know what yet. So that's something. And then tomorrow, hopefully it'll, it, well, we know it will be above freezing. So stuff should start to melt. And hopefully on Thursday, the world can restart again. But I know people who have been without power for days now, 
And there's many people are snowed in because like, guess what? We don't have snow tires here in Texas. No one has snow tires. So even though I have a four by four truck and I probably would be all right driving around there, I'm way up on these huge hills. Even my driveway is a hill. And if, but also, I mean, this is, God, it's just one thing after another, because even if you get out and everything, where am I going to go? Well, exactly. But also if you do get stuck somewhere, uh, that that can't get out. stress on the system. Yeah, but then like who's going to come get you? They don't have like a squad right? of of snow patrol people who can just wheel out there with Mr. Plow. Correct. Yeah, in Philadelphia when I was a kid growing up, like a foot of snow, that was just Tuesday, you know, like that we wasn't a big the, thing. You, you see this, you see this when, when there's flooding after hurricanes. Yeah. You see this with fires. Right. Where they're like, get, like you've got to get out of, uh, ironically enough, that poor town paradise. You've got to get out of here because the fire's coming faster than you think. And if you're here, we can't come get you. Right. You know, if, if you live, if you live in this area of Louisiana, that's about to get hit, it may seem fine now, but you've got to get out. Because we can't come get you. My mom lives in a in a multi story ACLF in Florida, and right. very close, very close to uh, the Gulf. And you know, it's like, well, you've got to get out of here. We cannot get dozens or hundreds of seniors out of a multi story building once the poop goes down. Like you're going to be, you know, SOL, and yeah. you're going to be on your own until conditions change in a way that we not only don't control. But we don't even have a time frame for exactly. Assuming everything stays as bad as it is and doesn't get worse. Well, yeah, and and that's the whole thing here is like even though I've had power, uh, I, I we don't know that we're going to keep it. I don't know that I'll have it in an hour or tomorrow. I mean, I, I my assumption is that the, or hope is that things are getting better, so we should keep it. But mm -hmm. you know, like I would be more than willing to say, yeah, g give me give me you know six hours with no power to give it to other people. Like, of course I would do that, but we don't have the ability to like do that and it, it's, it's so you know part of like the stress is like is the power gonna go out what are we gonna do if it does and and then uh, yeah, yeah you're just worrying about your year. friends you're worrying about your family you're worrying about other people yes and on top of a year of this already this is setting aside the the weeks and weeks in our case of construction on our house Ugh. that has no end in sight Ugh. You got to do home. You got to do school. You got to do life. You got to do construction. You don't know when it's going to end. I mean, everything just compiles on top of this existing fragile state. Apparently, that's how I pronounce it now. This fragile state that we we've been in in COVID of like we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We can't know when it's going to end. So everything has been very tenuous for a long time. And now you put all of this on top of that. You don't get to ignore the existing pandemic problems. It's all exacerbated. And now it all continues to be something that's a source of stress because one cannot plan one's life even for the next day, let alone for five years from now. Yeah. Which is the which is the worst for everybody. And then you also, as you say here, you have no control to say, hey, you know what? Take away my power for a while. It's like when my kid's sick. I always think to myself, I wish I could take- Of course, right. 50% 50 of your headache for you. I wish 10 of us could take, you know, 10% of, of your thing and, and split it because 10% of a headache- title is something everybody can deal with a little bit yeah it's like but there, we can't we don't even have a role in sharing the load because right. the municipal infrastructure decisions that went into this were happening in the 40s 50s 60s 70s and 80s probably okay so you you've given me the perfect opportunity to segue into an article that i uh, was reading here i'll put it into the show notes but uh so i'm going to just read from this in august of 2011 
six months after an ice storm crippled much of the state of Texas and resulted in rotating outages, the Federal Energy Regulation Commission and the North American Electric Reliability Corporation issued a report with recommendations. And here's the quote. Generators and natural gas producers suffered severe losses of capacity despite having received accurate forecasts of the storm. Entities in both categories report having winterization process procedures in place. However, the poor performance of many of these generating units and wells suggests that these procedures were either inadequate or were not adequately followed. And guess what? Mm. They did nothing since then. Nothing. They made a lot of recommendations, but they weren't mandatory and nothing happened. And this is this is not the first time. It happened again in 1989. Like this just happens. And I think it's it's one of those things of like, well, if it only happens every like 20 years, like we probably don't need to do anything about it. But there are people like like one of my friends, she's in her apartment right now with her roommate. They said it's 35 degrees inside their apartment. They can see their breath. They've been like hiding under bl- like layers and layers of blankets. They can't go Jesus. anywhere. They're like... They can't, and, and 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 a lot of people have no water because guess what? See the, the water mains froze. The, did you see the photo of the bathtub? No. So one, one person posted this photo because you know what they always tell you: um, if if a big you know event is coming up, run a bathtub full of water. Yes. Um, did it freeze? You, you may have to drink that. Did there and, you know, bathroom water? It free, did it you freeze? May, yeah, it froze. There's oh a bowl floating. I'll find the photo for you. But there's oh a red God. bowl floating in a. How do you have frozen? I mean, I mean, how do you have, for example, forty degree water? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm no John Syracuse. I don't get as cold as he does, but I'm here to tell you, sixty five. He disagrees on this. To me, sixty five is a very comfortable sleeping temperature. Sixty is a little cold for me. Yeah. Fifty five. 1978, I couldn't get into a 55-degree pool on Memorial Day, Cincinnati, Ohio. 55 <laughs> is cold. 32, my friend, is a lot colder. How do you get to 32 in a residence? That's crazy. Yeah, it's... That's so dangerous. It's bad. And, uh, and that's just because the, the, the heat does... Electric went out, and therefore no heat? Yeah, yeah. There's so n- there's we have no gas, heat. very inefficient gas. I've had gas for years, <laughs> but the um, the electric goes out, no heat. Oh my! And it got that cold because it's single digits yeah, outside. Yeah, yeah. So right now Woof. the weather outside here is frightful. It's 18 degrees. <laughs> it's going to be 27 degrees later, and then oh, that's, like, that's at, like sweater weather. Nice. And then at 9 p.m. tonight, the snow starts again. Oh, uh, that's fun. You can make snow angels. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, like mm-hmm. I said, I've got at the, at the highest point in my yard, um, I've got maybe about a foot and a half of snow. And it's really weird. But the thing is, like, again, in Philadelphia growing up, that wouldn't be a big deal. Why? Because like you said before, we have Mr. Plow. We've got salt mm-hmm. on the streets. We've got a whole infrastructure that's designed for this. We've got water. The water mains are designed for this. The pipes and the walls are designed for this. And houses up there and apartments are designed to insulate against the cold, not just against the heat, which apparently mm-hmm. is different. So it, it worked, you know, like it really, I don't want to talk about this the whole time, but like it no, just no, really I, I, sucks, I, I, you know. Dan, I, even, even though I'm interrupting you, I, that's nowhere near how much I have to say about this. Um, I'll send you, here's the photo of the frozen tub. And I'm also once again reminded, re- reminded of my, my worst friend, uh, John Syracuse, who likes to, uh, you know, he's always got it harder than everybody else, you know, of course. Walk, walk to school uphill both ways in the snow. <laughs> and, uh, he's always talking about how in California, one thing where he is almost right is that when he says, oh, you know, he's always talking about like how you we- have to weatherize a home yeah. in Massachusetts because mm-hmm. you have to prepare for a set of circumstances that are very likely to happen. There's not going to be a year when there's not snow 
that could cave in and un, I'm not, I don't know exactly, but you know what I mean? Stuff like you, you're going to have to, like I'm watching um, Dr. Drang in Illinois have to deal with snow and their Mr. Plow. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to prepare for a situation that will happen that year. There's not going to be a year without snow, which is a wonderful children's book. There's not going to be a year without snow. You prepare for that. And then you also have to prepare for that in some ways for that 20 year or 50 year event. Yeah. And increasingly it feels like you have to prepare for the hundred year event. We sure have a lot of hundred year floods like we didn't used to have. Yeah. And, and uh, somebody, somebody said yesterday that the current temperature map of the United States looks like a 7-Eleven burrito. Mm-hmm. It's just frozen in the middle and scalding on the sides. <laughs> in Florida, it's hot right now. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, um, but, 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 you know, Syracuse likes to give us crap and say like, oh, you know, joke about, oh, California, you could just keep all your, keep all your stuff on the porch because it never rains yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Like, the truth is he's almost right in some ways because it does reflect this problem of, Infrastructure, well, I should save it for the show. The infrastructure that we prepare for and that we budget for and that we, you know, get, you know, personnel and material to deal with, it doesn't make sense to over-prepare for every possible thing. There's not money in the budget for that. But like what we may prepare, we may prepare well, we may fight the last war and prepare well for one kind of thing that happened before. But the thing, and this is what I want to get into is eventually is, how do we even think about preparing for things no one had anticipated right where various systems are connected in ways that we know like if you ask us you know put us put us on the on the you know uh, swore us in in court and you ask the engineer how this stuff works they could factually answer you know within a range of um, certainty what's likely to happen if these two unlikely things happen at the same time. That's what engin- a lot of what engineering is, it seems to me, is like, well, if, if, the wind- if it's windy on this bridge, we can handle that. But if it's windy and there's snow and there's a whole bunch of trucks that have to go over at the same time to deal with another emergency, well, who can prepare for that? It's, it's random walks all the way down. How do you come up with that? Yeah, and I think that's what we're going to be facing more and more on so many fronts. So many fronts, so many fronts. And, you know, like right Did now- you see that bowl? Look at that bowl. Isn't that creepy? That is our bowl, show, show art for today already made. The, if Brandon Friedman would allow it, I think- uh, I, yeah, I'm not even going to ask him. He's just going to use well, it. Well, it's Twitter for Android, so I think we're good. Yeah, he doesn't care. Uh, he won't even see it. But We'll credit him. We'll credit, sure. The, you know, the main thing I think here is that people don't- It's just like when people- would move to Florida and we had this long stretch of time where we had no hurricanes at all. And people thought of Florida as a paradise. And then the hurricane, maybe they're, maybe they're gone now. The hurricanes ramped up. The hurricanes again. are gone. <laughs> and, and then people were like, what, what is this? What's going on? What do you mean? Two weeks without power? Like that was the thing that we were aware of in, there, but this kind of thing here, like it, even people that I know who have lived here their whole life who are now in their 30s, 40s and up are like, no, I've never seen anything like this. And mm. so it's impossible to prepare for something that, or it's not impossible, but when you present something like this to people and you say, hey, we want to spend, you know, $150 million of your tax money on like winterizing, uh, you know, these um, these wind generators, you're like, I'm not voting for that. Are you crazy? Or the politicians are like, oh, we don't need to do that. And then something like this happens and like, oh, I, I guess we do need to do it. But, you know, th- there is th- what we still and there's still and here's the thing that's stressful is hmm. that there are still disasters waiting to happen even as 
the power comes back. For example, when power starts to come back to an area, if people have left their thermostats on, which everyone who without power probably still has it on, oh my God, for example, going to be a spike, then, a huge then spike when they turn it on, ex- and that causes more outages again. So that, that's oh another God. issue. Then there's people with frozen pipes. Um, I know a handful of people who ran their water drip, you know, to to prevent fr- pipes. Yeah, you from let the water freezing. run a little bit warm, and just a drip, drip, drip right. keeps it from freezing in well, the pipe. Well, there's right? froze. So they have frozen because well, the electric the electric went off, so there's no water heat. Exactly. Right? So oh there's froze. So now their pipes are definitely frozen. Will they burst? Will they have they burst already? But they're frozen, and when it thaws, it they they now have a, a burst. I mean, it it all of those things could happen. And there's people who will say, oh, you know, go down to the main, shut off the main, and then open all your pipes. That drains the pipes. They can't fill with water. They won't freeze. They won't burst. Okay, how many people can do that? Not a lot of people even know where how to turn off their water at the street. How many people have a water key? You know, like people don't mm-hmm. understand this stuff. So you you know it it. It, we're completely unprepared because we're used for it to here. it. We're used to it, and I don't mean this to sound like the slam that it's going to come off as, but you know, when it comes to a lot of these things, we're used to being a user of something, um, perhaps even a consumer of something. Yes, but we're not the engineer of something. I I know how to drive on a highway, but I have no idea how to build one. Right. I certainly have no idea how to do it in the way that that affects the fewest people, or in the way that is most environmentally sound, or you know, why you put a berm there. Yeah. It's called like why, why you yeah. put like a, a, you know, in the case of like here by the great highway, you have this berm to like protect erosion on the beach. I don't know why any of that stuff happens. If you explained it to me, I could nod along, but I'm not in a position to explain what to do if the highway breaks <laughs> or if, you know, I don't, I don't know what to do about that. And I sure as hell, I doubt that my hope that my mom has people around her in her multi-story building in Florida yeah. who will be able to handle this stuff. But, you know, it's really, it's not that much further along than like, you know, trying to do tech support on something you like so much of my life on something that I don't understand. Or that you've never used. Trying things or, the, or that I never use or that I'm not, uh, again, an element of complexity that I am not aware of, that there is a consequence to when you do this, that happens. My kid has always been like like any good kid scared of fire, but she likes to cook, and she's still a little little freaked out about using the oven. I know it's crazy; she's thirteen, but you know you got to light it with a with a match. Like we don't our pilot light oh, doesn't yeah. work, right? Of course, <clears throat> we live in a hovel. But you get the giant the the giant pointy lighter thing, yes, you know, yeah, with the trigger, yeah. And it's really it's for me it's very easy. You turn the switch to low, you turn the, the dial to low or light. And then you have the match thing ready and click it and it lights and it goes and there's no problem. But guess what? If you're a little bit scared of that and you hesitate and you overthink it, guess what? You haven't lit the lighty thing yet, but you have started the gas going. And because the gas is invisible and you can't even really smell it at that point, you don't realize that there's a bunch of gas around. And when you do light it, it's going to be a big poof. Well, I mean, you can learn that. You can learn that, but you can't learn, in my case, how to troubleshoot. Do I have a water key? Oh, that's a really good question. Let's start with what's a water key? Right. I assume that that's the thing that you use to shut off outside on the sidewalk, but I don't know. And now, you know, abstract that to this wide scale, and you've got a lot of people feeling very mad and sad and helpless and cold and wet. You know, my daughter was riding around the house in her roller skates yesterday. and <laughs> As you do. <laughs> uh, and I said, uh, I said, baby, don't do that because um, if you fall... And get hurt. Yeah. Like we're going to have to like make a splint out of the 
you know, tree in the backyard for you. And you're because like, there's no getting <laughs> down to go my see hill. Dr. Minecraft. Yeah. First there... we have to go out to the tree and then we turn that into a splint. <laughs> That's and right. I read a book about splints and then pretty soon, you know, what are the, what did they say? The freaks come out at night. Don't mind at night. What are those called? Creepers? The, it's called the purge. The purge. The mm-hmm. purge. <laughs> Dan, do you need to tell me about something you like? I would love to tell you about something that I need a lot of right now. Feels. Yeah, yeah but feels. If you experience yeah, stress or anxiety. Sure. You could get out the turkey baster for that one. <laughs> I just, I'm just going to drink the entire bottle It can't bottle get you high, feels. but I am going to slam the feels. <laughs> <laughs> so feels is uh is premium cbd that is delivered directly to your doorstep it will help you sleep it will help you with anxiety or chronic pain or stress in general and it does this naturally uh and and it doesn't make you feel high and you don't get addicted to it and the way that it works is it's like you said it's a tincture you put a few drops under your tongue and you feel the difference within just a few minutes and um the important thing about cbd is that you've got to find the right dose for you everyone's dose is different and uh so you want to go to feels and when you go there they even have a little flight that they can send you of cbds of different strengths and you can also call them up and a real person who really gets it can talk to you and give you advice. You tell them, oh, you know, I want this for after I work out so I don't feel as much uh, pain or I want faster recovery. Or if you have chronic pain or if you're like, I sometimes am too stressed out to sleep, they'll help you. And all of this works naturally. There's no high, like I said, there's no hangover, there's no addiction. And you get it delivered to your door every month, which is great because you're going to save money on every order, but you can pause it if you want to pause it. You can cancel it if you want to cancel it. And it's nice to have that peace of mind that you're not going to run out. Because once you start uh, getting the benefits of, of feel CBD, you're going to really notice a difference in your quality of life or your quality of sleep. And you're going to want to know that it's it's on its way to you. So this is a great service and it's it's really, really high quality CBD. Uh, you're going to get 50% off your first order with free shipping if you go to feels.com slash back to work. And that's spelled F-E-A-L-S, feels.com slash back to work. Go there, become a member, get 50% automatically taken off your first order and free shipping. This is a wonderful company. I have switched over to to their CBD completely. I was trying other ones in the past, uh, rotating through them. Theirs really is the best, and it's the one I use. Feels.com slash back to work. Thanks very much to them for making the show possible. Thank you, Feels. Bok, bok. I'm struggling so hard to find something that is so germane. I'll do what I can to find it for notes, but... It's not okay. So for the sake for the sake of what I want to share here, it's not important where I learned it about. Except I do want to credit where I heard this, and I feel like it was either on John Chigi's uh, engineering podcast, Causality, or it very much might have been on um, the podcast Tim Harford's podcast, Cautionary Tales, hmm. which are not only right next to each other alphabetically, um, but are about related things. So so uh, Causality, Cautionary Tales, two different podcasts. But in both cases, they are, it's, so in, in the case of John Chigi's show, uh, Causality, it's a very deeply, one doesn't want to say nerdy, but he does not shy away from the technicalities of explaining why something didn't work. Right. Why there was, explaining, talking about Chernobyl, talking about the 737, talking about all these different things. Um, and then the other show is more sort of because it's a Malcolm Gladwell-ish podcast from Pushkin. Cautionary Tales, Tim Harford's wonderful show, is uh, more. It's more about like sort of the st- storytelling aspect of how things go wrong and how we plan and how we implement. And 
I, I can't find this specifically, but for example, this is where I first heard like, oh boy, you what you think you know about the Warren Beatty, Faye Dunaway mess up at the Oscars. Right. Like it's it's not what you think happened. It's not because they're stupid and I remember old. that. It's because they made the classic engineering sort of category error of in trying to stop something from in, in order to try and prevent a bad thing from happening, you create so much complexity that it that it it leads to unintended bad things. And the case in that one is that they were so worried about something going wrong with the card that had the winner's name on it that there was a set of cards on each side of the stage. Did you did you listen to this episode? We talked about this here, right? Yes, we did. Okay, but so what but what had happened was there's a set on stage left, there's a set on stage right. And, okay, well, that seems like a great idea. Why don't we have 50 sets of those? Well, why don't I have 50 different unlabeled backups? Because then none of them are real. Like, at that point, you have too many things instead of the one precious thing. If all you have is this one photo of your great-grandmother, like, you're going to take really good care of it. If you have a bunch of those on your computer in a million places, well, can you put your hand to it? And in this case, that's what went wrong. One of the guys from Pricewaterhouse or whatever was so enamored of, like, getting a selfie with Emma Stone that he screwed up and the wrong card went out. Now we get into the way the card, we will find this for notes. Um, the card is laid out, the typography is done in a way that's very confusing. The critical information is not the largest type on the card. And so how, <laughs> how is that related? How is having two sets of cards and what typography is used on the cards, how is any of that let alone five other things. How does that lead to a problem? Well, it does because each one of those contributes to that problem in a way you wouldn't anticipate. If we always create things based on the conditions going flawlessly, you're going to run into problems. And as I like to say every month or two, you see that with deliveries. You see that with food deliveries or Postmates or my, <laughs> my laptop that's still up for delivery from three months ago, <sighs> where everything's designed to go flawlessly. And if it doesn't go flawlessly, you have to start over. That is what we're dealing with here. So it's not that Faye Dunaway is stupid and can't read. It's just that like the Oscars, 2000 and whatever, are, are the large, largest thing. And the tiny thing is what movie it's for. And they thought it was they thought it was going to be for La La Land because the guy gave her the wrong card because he was he was understandably smitten with Emma Stone, aka Cruella Deville, and and so understandably <laughs> he's smitten. He gives him the wrong card, and now it looks like Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty are stupid, and they have to go. No, actually, Moonlight, not La La Land, won. And what well, such an inconsequential thing. Well, I I will keep it spoiler free for how this got even sillier in there of trying to address this afterward. But that's what we're talking about. A bunch of separate, mostly separate, seemingly separate things where, and this is, this is the point where I want to find the episode I first heard this because it was so insightful to me. It might have been about Chernobyl. I forget what it was about. But you, when you get into a situation where uh, you have systems that are complex and systems that are interconnected, you get into a lot of problems. So if you've seen the wonderful show, uh, the Craig Mason, you know, uh, Chernobyl, you know, boy, a lot went wrong. One of the things that went wrong is that there were so many blinky lights. The way that you would do this on like, whether it's 2001 or Star Trek or whatever, you have a bunch of blinky button lights. When something started to go wrong that became catastrophic, it was difficult to know what the thing was that they should be focusing on mm. because so many different systems were going tits up and blinking right. that they were missing you know, and this carries through to a wonderful episode of causality that I mentioned before about that 
log flume ride in Australia that broke, you know, the thing with the scum line. Oh, yeah. Like, where's the scum line? You know how deep it is. Well, it was a heuristic that worked most of the time until it didn't. And we have so many things like that where this one, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, but the insight I want to share here that I think is important, it's not my insight, but it is insightful. When, when our systems are complex and interconnected, you're going to get into a lot of unanticipated problems that can be very difficult to predict. But then when they do happen, if they're complex and interrelated, it can be difficult to even know that it happened and what we do to fix which part. And I think what you're describing in Texas with this combination of different, you know, weather of quote unquote anomalies, plus these interconnected systems. And I mean, in some ways we, you could say, well, Texas is on its own grid. How can that be interconnected? Well, it's the ultimate interconnection in some ways, which is that it's interconnected unto itself. Yeah, It's not part of a big, you think about the way the internet was designed to work, was like, hey, if a bomb drops and breaks this part of our connections, our trunk lines or whatever, our T3s, I don't know what they were back in the day. If one part of this breaks, there's redundancy. If there's one spot where the weakest link in the chain is that there's this area, you know, in South Dakota that's not going great. Well, we can automatically reroute that. That's what the internet is. Even mm -hmm. before it was porn, the internet was about reliability, redundancy. Wasn't it for a and nuclear disaster that they were sort of thinking might, of? Well, I used to, one of the many things I was, I've been unqualified to do in life was teaching a class to people who are new to the internet about 1996 or seven. And I, I did a real bad job with it. And I, I, I hope no tape of that exists that John Syracuse <laughs> could ever listen to. Because, <laughs> but I mean, my understanding is that it was a DARPA project, a defense project that in the, in the event of a nuclear attack or something, you know, catastrophic, mm -hmm. how do we have continuity of communication right. between all important infrastructure things, particularly the, the Department of Defense? So, you know, if you, if you had a way to, in a World War One or World War Two style, you know, uh, one thing you see a lot, what do you see? Well, we learned this from Napoleon. You know, if you bomb the lines that are, or the trains that are bringing supplies, you know, Napoleon made a lot of bad decisions, as John's, um, uh, as Roderick's mother calls him, Bonaparte. Bonaparte made a lot of bad decisions. Uh, you know, you going east to attack Russia over a very long line is going to cause problems. There's a very good infographic about this. If you bomb the lines, the trains that bring the supplies, and you knock out the ability to communicate, you are isolating many different uh, gr groups of your military. They've lost the ability to communicate. And I think, I believe, please don't email me. I believe that's what happened with the creation of the internet was we need a way to make sure that one or more uh, attacks that hurt the continuity of communication won't kill all the communication. Is it, isn't that kind of right? I can look it up. I think, I think, I think that, that is right. That is my understanding uh, more or less as well. And but, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things there where nobody ever, I don't think everybody, I mean, there was a time when um, your telnet account or your whatever account didn't have a password. Passwords had to be invented because it was never assumed. It was never, you know, we never figured that there, you people would go in and want to dick around and change your finger profile to make you look a jerk or whatever. Right. There used to not, passwords were an invention of a, of a time, but they weren't baked in from the beginning. And they said, okay, well, we, we got to fix that. DDoS? Were people thinking about DDoS in like 1968? I kind of right. doubt it. Doubt it. The latest update I got for Plex the other day is about preventing DDoS, a denial of service attacks. 
because that infrastructure didn't exist, let alone the will to do it. Like that's, that's real weird supervillain Joker stuff. They would not have thought it. Cesar Romero never would have done that. He had a mustache under his makeup. Interconnected and complex. And I, I think, I feel like that's an interesting topic for lots of things, especially here. Do you have any thoughts on that? Does that, I know I just talked a lot as I do. Is that, does that resonate with you? Yeah, no, it definitely does. I think we're in a situation now where we really, so much of, and, and I think about this password thing all the time, how many times, and I, I think people who are listening could do this as an experiment, how many times a day does the phone that has never left your hand or your pocket require you to re-authenticate with it? And how, well, here we go. how stupid... <laughs> Is that? Yeah. Yeah. You just, you just purchased something. Why would it want it again? You know, I just, I yeah. was, I, I, you know, it, it, I Dan says up, the phone knows it's me. Yeah. I picked up my phone. I unlocked it. I went into the Amazon app because I'm out of, um, you know, I'm out of some kind of uh, vitamin magnesium or something. Mm. I need to order a Be new bottle. With of, that. That'll, that'll give you the trots. I need to order a, a new bottle of magnesium. So now I have to go into the app. Well, the, <laughs> my pills, my pills. The, the app, the app is now going to reauthenticate me, even though I just right. authenticated by unlocking the phone and I'm still holding the phone. I, I, I haven't. There has been no pause in that. I haven't set it down. I haven't moved away from it. Nothing. I have to authenticate again, and then, and yep. then to authenticate, I have to launch one password, which also authenticates me. So now yep, three times. Off your mask. Yeah. Unless you're on that beta, which kind of works <laughs> pretty well. You just, now you got to do the mask stuff. Yeah. You know, but now I will tell you that authenticating with my finger or my face is much easier than typing in a password as long as those things work. But half the time I have to authenticate with the password anyway, because it's been too long since the last time I authenticated. Yeah. You got two goofies. You got two goofs. <laughs> and now and, I got to uh, do it again. You get a goof them up and then another goof them up. And now you got to get your meat fingers on there. Or if it's like dark in the room or whatever, then nope, you, you, you failed to authenticate your face. Now you have to type in your password again, even though you've still been holding the phone the whole time it's like that kind of thing is a byproduct but like would i rather my phone well, just, be I, like I, I, more accessible? I, I, i'm having no. fun at your i'm having fun at your expense because you know i i i think i would rather they err on the side of security me in too that instance me too and if somebody comes and grabs your phone and you're logged in <laughs> well you know they got the keys to your kingdom for a while absolutely so that, no that i'm part, I, i'm not complaining yeah. saying it, it we shouldn't do this i'm saying it's dumb that we have to do it but also there's no other way to do it there's no other solution but, there's but nothing there's a reason else to do. sometimes we have screen doors and sometimes we have vaults we don't need <laughs> a vault right. for everything i don't want to have to do Ooh, a time activated good, vault to take out, well, yeah, thank you. To take out the recycling, like a screen door is fine; it'll be okay. And, and but I didn't. How is that germane? Well, I think it's super germane. You can't afford to make everything a vault, and you would be foolish to make everything a screen door or just a happy portico. Like you, there are different ways you need to help keep the honest people honest. But in the case of large infrastructure projects, you have to assume or build for something closer to a vault than a screen door in a, in a lot of cases. It's just that sometimes then you maybe didn't account for how heavy that vault door is. And if there's an unexpected seismic event, now you can't open the vault and now you die. Again, the Joker, I don't know. Uh, I'll find, I'm going to try and find some of these podcasts, but it's such an interesting way to think like where the classic example for me is uh, you know, back in Florida, the power would go off constantly. We fairly rarely lose power here for any length of time. But I still do the thing I've always done, which is I walk into the bathroom to micturate and I hit the <laughs> hit the switch to turn on the light. <laughs> and believe it or not, the light doesn't turn on because the power's off. Now, if you had asked me 
two seconds before I entered the room in which I micturate, is the power off? I would say, absolutely, the power is off. And then I would say, what's wrong with you? You're goofy. And then I hit the switch because I'm so accustomed to hitting that switch and having the light turn on that I don't even think about it. Right. It's when something changes that you're forced to realize how habituated you are to a certain way of being. At one point, in, early in the pandemic, we finally bought a coat rack. Bought a coat rack, uh, put it in the hallway, as you do. And it, Dan, for at least a month, I, I did this several times a day. Ah. <laughs> Because you weren't used to seeing it there. <laughs> and what did it look like? Out a of the person, my because it's got the person. hat on it. And, and it's, it's a got coat a hat. Hanging. It's got shoes. There's shoes <laughs> under it. There's my daughter's my daughter's uh, goth, uh, you know, um, trench coat that she has now. Uh, yeah. But it really does look like a person. So, so this is double funny to me, because it honestly did. And then, I, I of course, I inquired. Uh, my kid wouldn't cop to it. My wife did. Yes, of course, all the time. For weeks, we kept getting freaked out. Mm -hmm. Now, if you looked at it, dead on, you'd go, well, of course, that's a coat rack. I'm not an idiot. I did go to a state school, but I'm not stupid. I understand <laughs> coat rack. Uh, but that was funny. And then at some point, I didn't even realize this until I realized it, was like I had stopped being freaked out by by seeing that in the corner of my eye. But then a funny thing happened, which is, uh, long story short, we got a Roomba, and I have a lot to share about the wisdom, things and life lessons I've learned from my Roomba. Well, one of them is you, we would move stuff around to try and let Roomba get a better idea of the floor plan. And, you know, so I had to move the coat rack two feet to the left. And guess what? What? It started happening again. No. Because <laughs> you no, reset your own it, mind yes, about it. No, it sounds insane. It sounds insane. But the thing is, the coat rack, even though it was just moved, it was the same coat rack, just a little bit to the left. Um, but because it was not where I, my eye, the corner of my eye was used to seeing it, had acclimated to, I was right back where I had been a month or two earlier. And I think that's a lot, that's a lot of life is like we, maybe it's, there's, there's certainly some element of what do you want to say privilege or like, I don't know exactly what the word is, but we're fortunate enough. I was thinking about like, we got, we got fancy uh, takeout dinner the other night, we went to House of Prime Rib for the second time since the pandemic and actually had to wait online for an hour wow. just to order and pick it up. But I had this funny thought, it's so dark. But I was like, and I was happy to do it. It's House of Prime Rib. It's the best. It's, you know, when we want to treat ourselves for, in this case, Valentine's Day, special family dinner, you take that home and eat it up yum. And it was worth <laughs> it. And I just stood in line and, and took my mask off a lot to reauthenticate my phone, listen to a podcast. But, and then I thought to myself, I just, we just spent a total of two hours from the time we left the house to the time I waited in line you know, on a very cold Van Ness Avenue to the time they made it to the time we brought it home. It was two hours. But then I had this thought of like, think about watching like National Geographic videos <laughs> of people who have to like, have, they have the same bucket they've had for 10 or 20 years and the whole, all the women in the family have to walk to a river or the potable water station to get their water for mm -hmm. the day. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, what a different world. Like I'm, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm real cheery because I'm, I'm, my two hours are going in the service of, of eating a ribeye. But then there are people who every day have to do that over and over just to get water. Yeah, and I'm not saying I'm not saying that for clapping, obviously, but I do think it's a real it it's a real head scratcher when you realize how much of the things to which we have become habituated just start becoming how things are, and how the inconvenience of that thing not working in the way we expected, even just day to day, can be incredibly frustrating. What could be less sympathetic than somebody waiting for a UPS delivery that was supposed to be there an hour earlier or a day earlier? Yeah. 
I feel, I feel, I feel so, so angry and I want everyone to be fired. And then I catch myself sometimes and go, what is wrong with you? Well, and, but the other thing, just back to what you're saying a second ago. And I'm not saying that's what you're doing. No, I, I, no, I didn't. But I think in a situation like this, you kind of realize how many points of failure there are when before you don't really think about any, because on a regular day where things are just going the normal way, like you can be really angry when you're taking the trash out and the bag rips, like that's like damn it, what a, that's so stupid, like that ruined my day. But then you realize, well, okay, what if the power went out and didn't come back on? And what if it was really cold? And what if the gas didn't work? And what if you had no water? And what if you, you know, like there's so many things that we are reliant upon. And it's interesting because if, you know, if you were to go camping, you would prepare for it. You'd say, okay, we're going to need a tent. We're going to need warm clothes. We're going to need this kind of knife. We're going to need this other, you know, a little hatchet. We're going to mm-hmm. need a stove to cook with. We, you know, maybe we you need, need something to start uh, little, a fire uh, tri- with. The trigger match. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All of that stuff. So you're prepared, right? And then you know you're only going to do it for a period of time. And even this right now, even with all the people suffering, like this will end in a week from now. Mm-hmm. It, but if you forgot your Kindle, you could say, well, that's okay. We're camping. <laughs> that's right. And it's only for a couple of days. I can live without my Kindle for a couple of days. And I know unless something goes really wrong, which I doubt it will, I know that we're going to be back on, back on a highway where we're going to have Popeye's fried chicken and internet and stuff like that. This is this is part of what I brought myself. And you know what? You know what, Merlin? If the camping trip's really that bad, you pack it up and you go home. You set it on fire. You just walk away. You just get in the car, leave everything there, and you can't walk away. You can't do that now, and that's the worst part of it. It's like you realize how completely dependent we are. Unless you're a prepper, unless you're already out in in on your land somewhere and running independent Mm -hmm. with your own well and everything else, like you know. But it makes you think, like, yeah, I really would like to have one of those battery powered things. They're like a thousand bucks, but you can plug all your stuff into them, and they have like you can attach solar panels to them, Mm -hmm. and like then you just don't. One of my neighbors down the street, they redid. They they bought the house. It was a nice house as it was, but they built a big addition onto it, and we we realized over the last few weeks that they also built a generator into it, and the generator runs off gas. So when the power goes out, it's not loud, but we can hear their generator running and all their lights are on. They're watching TV in there. They're probably, you know, gambling and smoking cigars, whatever you do when you're Hmm. living like a king and everyone else is suffering. But it's like... (laughs) You know, and so like I investigated how much would that cost to get. Well, you cut your own little Texas camping version of uh, the, that Johnny Cash song. Which song? <laughs> They're probably drinking coffee okay. now and smoking big cigars. That's right. Yeah, I'm stuck in my house camping. That's right. And and like you know, so we'll hear this generator going, and you look out the window, and you're like those jerks, you know, and it's yeah. expensive. It's like five to $7,000 for that kind of generator system. It costs like three to $500 a year just to maintain it. Is this like the ones on cable news where you spend a lot of money? It's outside. It looks almost like an air conditioner. You feed it gas and then you can nominally run most of your house off of it. Yeah. But it runs when I say but it's gas, integrated into the house as a failback. You probably, you probably throw a big switch. You throw a switch. Right? Yeah. Say, yeah. You throw a switch. Okay. But the thing is when but, I say but gas, it's not, it isn't like, it isn't like having an extension cord. It's, it's like already, it's, it's already into built into house. your whole house. <gasps> and, and so Amazing. it's not gas, gasoline, it's gas as in, you know, natural gas. So oh. it, it, it's unlimited. You don't have to fill it because we have gas. Not my friends become addicted to electric. <laughs> <laughs> Once again. Once again. Now I'm gonna have to go watch that. I already watched the, I watched the Aviator twice and Goodfellas three times in the last week. 
That's you where needed I've that been. though. It's for your work. It's yeah. for yeah, not for your mental health. For your mental health. Mm-hmm. For your health. Can I tell yeah. you about a second thing that I like, Marilyn? I wish I wish you would, Dan. Is it anything that I, that will involve the way that I that I interact with internet things? Because I can That's, really use some help with that. If you're a business is a owner, sweet, is it a sweet? It is a sweet. Like really it's the sweet. sweetest okay, right. sweet there is. If you're a business owner, you don't need you don't need to tell us that running your business is is tough, Merlin. We we know this already. But there are a lot of people oh, yeah. who are making it just harder on themselves. They are using things like QuickBooks. Wait, I thought QuickBooks was good. Oh, it's fine. Okay, but you're using QuickBooks, you're using spreadsheets. These things are slowing you down because all of your data and all of your information and all the stuff that you need, they're in different places and different systems that aren't interconnected. It is time, Merlin, for you to upgrade to NetSuite. Stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information that you need when you need it. You're going to drop the spreadsheets and the old software. You've outgrown that stuff. Instead, you upgrade to NetSuite. It's by Oracle. It's the world's number one cloud business system. It's going to give you visibility and control over your financials, your HR, your inventory, your e-commerce, and more. Everything that you need all in one place instantaneously. So whether you're doing hundreds of thousands or hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, you're going to save time and money with NetSuite. There's over 24,000 companies using it right now, right this second. And so let NetSuite show you how they can benefit your business. They'll give you a free product tour. You go to netsuite.com slash back to work. That's spelled N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E, netsuite.com slash back to work. Go there, schedule your free product tour. They want me to say it three times, netsuite.com slash back to work. And uh, that's where you go to learn about this. It really is a wonderful system that will help you get everything you need in (laughs) one place. Thanks very much to netsuite.com slash back to work. For making this show possible, boom! Thank you, NetSuite. Bok bok. This new uh, say it three times thing. It's kind of a new thing. Say it three times. And I, I try so hard to make it not sound. How is it natural to say something like, three times, though? How is it natural to say you, something you three times? How is it natural? Great, you paraphrase the lyrics of the great Stephen Sondheim <laughs> in West Side Story. The last time, <laughs> if I've finally given up and I can't find a funny way to say it, I say a line from Maria. I adapted. Say it thrice. And it's almost like praying. You know, I, I there's Maria. two <laughs> there's two things you, that I've do learned. Do you like in, West Side Story, Dan? Do you like West Side Story? Y- y- sure. Does keep, it help you keep the that show in your pocket? Say cool boy. Hmm? Okay, listen. I want to tell you something. That you're it's Either. your fault. Okay. My um, fault. Oh, because the aviator. No, what? there's two. Th- yes, but no, there's two things. There's always two things with you. The first thing is if you don't if you're listening to a a older rock and roll song and you don't know who it is, it's the Beatles. And number two, if you're listening to an older song and the drumming is really, really good in it and it sounds familiar, it's pretty purdy. And as oh, an exercise, for, this is your fault, as an exercise Babylon for the... Go to Wikipedia's <laughs> entry on Pretty Purdy and look at all of the songs and bands and albums that he was on uh, it, it is. He's so tra- he's so charming. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna put this in the show notes. I'm gonna find the video. I'll find the video of him playing the Purdy Shuffle for ten minutes or whatever. It's it so good. It's so good. But look, um, look at this list. It, it. So if you scroll down at first, it'll be like as leader and co-leader. His discography is like, oh, it's not that much. Then you scroll down, and there's like two pages of three column lists of all of the stuff that he was on starting in 1966 and going up until 2020 (laughs) of all of the stuff that he's played on. And they're all songs that, you know, you know, all the songs, you know, every one of these songs, you know, every one of these albums, if you're, if you're our age or younger or older, and it's like, he's been on everything. 
I was trying to explain. So I was listening. I just put in notes. Uh, you know, a podcast I love and support on Patreon is called Strong Songs by Kirk Hamilton. Highly recommended. And the latest episode is typically terrific, and it's about Babylon's sisters, um, which is the. I mean, Home at Last is another one. Home at Last, I think, is a highly underrated Steely Dan song. But um, Babylon Sisters um, is maybe the canonical Purdy Shuffle song. And yeah. I was trying to explain to my wife, like, what makes the Purdy Shuffle so special, because it seems really simple. And and uh, <laughs> Bernard, right? He explains <laughs> yeah. it best, which is, like, it can be all of these different beats. Like, when you, you what you play alongside the Purdy Shuffle, there's so many different time signatures that would fit with what he's doing. And it gives him so many options if he starts slightly changing what he's doing with the hi-hat, it becomes a very different beat. So it's deceptively simple. But um, I would suggest checking that. And of course, I will also find uh, the Classic Albums episode where they talk about um, talk about uh, Asia, especially Rick Murata. Oh, my God. Talking about, uh, uh, talking about uh, what was it, Peg? Not Peg, yeah. but um, no, what's the song I'm thinking of? I don't know. Peg is the good one. Peg is Peg. Yeah, I think Peg is the one I'm thinking of. And that's where, and then, um, and uh, Purdy's in, in one of those. Anyway, I'll find all of those for notes. Steely Dan. Um, like, talk really? about a so rabbit now, hole. Now you're into that. I mean, I was, but, I looked at it before, but I, I was, I was listening to something and it, it was a song. I forget which song it was. I'm like, that's got to be Purdy on there. That's got to be him. And I looked it up and I'm like, yeah, that was him. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, what Kirk, about this Kirk other song? Into this, the way Jeff Picaro, for example, uh, basically adapted the Purdy Shuffle to stuff in Toto. Yeah. So think about the beat for Rosanna by Toto. Mm. He's basically doing a modified Purdy Shuffle in that. I'm not and a drummer. Full in the so Rain. Full in the Rain is all Purdy Shuffle. Oh, God, that beat is so good. Bum, 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 mm-hmm, bum. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's an isolated drums version. There is on there. YouTube. You want me to put it in the show notes? I found that last night. Oh my night. God. <laughs> his sound alone is so good, but his technique, everybody thinks of him as being the big boomy guy who like lines his kick drums with aluminum foil or whatever the hell the mythology is, but he's so nuanced in so many ways. Think about you know, Jamaica or you think about, like you say, um, there's just, or even like all of my love. Like he finds a way to liven up that that sad, admittedly sad. It's about Robert Plant's dead son, but like it's 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 not a very muscular, good song. Proud Ariane, one word, my will to sustain. Okay, if you say so. Um, but but like his drums on everything, exquisite. So fool in the rain, isolated. You know, you know this I'll, is happier talk. Than we were having. I know. I'll put this. I'll put this into the show notes. Because oh, will you add it to notes? I will add the "Fool in the Rain" isolated drum track because there's several different versions on YouTube, and I only approve of one of them. <clears throat> so I will okay, put that cool. in there. Cool, cool. But it, the thing about this is, like it, I, I, I always thought of the drums as one of the background sounds in the music that for me, the music was yeah, like you wanted to have a good beat, but like anyone, anyone can get, yeah. play a good beat. That's no big deal. Like I'm going to listen to the lyrics, the singer, the guitar, maybe the bass sometimes, but really like the bass and the drums are like, they're over there in the corner doing their thing. You don't they're have to there, worry about I mean, them. Like they're there in a support role. That's the culture has told us that bass and drums are a support role for the good looking front person right. and the fancy guitar person. But it's not true. Which, the drums you know, are everything. Really the drums yeah. are we the whole We talked about this band. on Roderick. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. I'm so no, sorry. No, it's all right. Go for we it. We talked about this on Roderick yesterday, um, talking about um, Just What I Needed by The Cars, which I think is inarguably one of the great 
pop and rock songs. There's so much going on in Just What I Needed. And you wouldn't know how much is going on unless you knew what you were listening for. But the, the stuff that's happening with the drums in that song are kind of bananas. And then as John points out, Elliot Easton's guitar solo is basically a country solo. It's like a Bakersfield-style country solo alongside that very handsome Ben Orr and his, and his great singing. And just, it's just like the little, that little short song is, it's such a perfect little gem where like every beat tells mm. as they, as they, as, um, uh, who is it? John Charty or Richard Hugo says like the, every line should tell in a poem. And, uh, ah, now you're right. You're right. You know what? I think we owe an apology. We owe an apology to drummers. Well, to the good ones. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> you know what? I also want to do a shout out. This is going to seem weird and, and I hope she's prepared for this and it doesn't freak her out. I would just like to say to listener of the show, Mary Louise Munter, I believe her name mm, is. She's great. Like say hi, Mary Louise. She's really nice. And she tweets out our stuff. Everything. And I think she listens to the show and I think she lives in, I want to say like Finland, but I just want to say to anybody who listens to the show and likes the show, especially to Mary Louise Munter, I would like to say thank you for that. And I appreciate your, your interest in support and hearing us talk about drums. She's great. She's Pounds always, I, I see her all the time. She's always she, there. She's on the forefront. Always she's on the forefront. always right there. She's ready to go. Every time we tweet a show, she retweets it. She's on there. She's We've interacting. We've lost a lot of cultural currency, Dan, and I think that's actually been good for us in a lot of ways. I think the more obscure we become, the cooler we seem to ourselves. Um, what, what, what do you, what's your prediction on what? Oh, have you ever seen uh, uh, um, Kiss Guy? The Foo Fighters, Runky Ranch with Kiss Guy. Have you ever seen it? I don't think so. I'm, I keep mentioning this because I guess there's people who still haven't seen it. I want to put this in notes too. It's very important that you watch something in notes called Foo Fighters, Monkey Ranch, Kiss Guy, Austin, Texas, uh, 2018. It's very important you watch that. What do you think is, I realize the whole point of what we've been saying is, is one, one can't know, but based on, uh, based on factors, what do you think is going to, when are things going to start clearing up or becoming less crazy? For you, Texas. Well, I mean, tomorrow we're going to have over freezing temperatures, so things will melt. Thursday, I would think, hopefully, things will get a little bit more back to normal, and school is supposed to go back in on Friday, so I I would think, I mean, for sure, by Friday or the weekend, hopefully, things would be back, but then we've got to probably deal with all the busted water mains and everything else, so it's still going to be a mess for a, at least a week, I think. I always think of people... Like, it's one thing to like say, like, if you're going to have a C-section, you can sort of plan around that because it's a surgery that you plan. But it's it's like one of those things, and no shade, no lemonade, we certainly did this, but the whole idea of like having your birth plan and all of these things, it's like, you're really daring God in a lot of ways whenever you try to say, here's when we'll be doing this thing in the future. Yeah. Whether that's when a child comes out of your JJ or like when you think we're going to quote unquote, go back to school. We don't even know what's going to happen when everything melts. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> you know? Are the grackles okay? How are the grackles? You know, that was weird. Like, the birds seem all right. Like, they're still yeah. out there, so. That uh, must be nice to be a bird sometimes. You just get, get out you know, of there Dan, if, if you you're, want if you're a bird, if you're a bird, I'm a bird. Why did it take hmm. Gandalf's eagles so long to get there? And also, when they drop them off, they hmm. drop them off on top yeah. of that rock? I'm like, they couldn't just take them the, west, the rest of the way to the mountain? Well, maybe it's like when you take your kid to school and they're like, could you drop me off a block away? Kind of thing. Like, even if you are a gray or a white or a brown wizard, like you might, there might be things where you say, um, like, please don't play your music loud. Don't sing. Don't sing songs from Les Mis while we're waiting for the hot chocolate. Please do not do a fancy German dance. Don't do that. 
Or like, so like, like me this morning. What was I listening to this morning? Oh, I was listening to Britney Spears this morning. And, and I ended up unintentionally doing a Britney, you know, that kind of jaunty walk that she does in a lot of her videos. <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll tape it for you if you want. <laughs> yeah, tape, but I, I, I was listening to Toxic. <laughs> I was listening to Toxic and walking around the office and, eh, eh, and I found myself doing that jaunty Britney Spears dance. Now I'm a 54 year old man in, uh, in 501s wearing suspenders. <laughs> no. So I, I, I super hope no one saw that. Free Britney, they say. Yeah, yeah. Did you watch the documentary on her, the episode? Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's good. It's good. <laughs> it's, I don't know. I don't have a strong feeling about it as a lot of people, and I guess that makes me bad. I, I thought it was good. My wife loved it. I loved it. A lot of a lot of people in the community loved it. I thought it, I thought it was really good. It's um, it's uh, there's plenty of documentaries these days about people surrounded by harmful men, who uh, who are are, are greedy and terrible. <laughs> and 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 show notes you will find. I'm going to try so effing hard to find the particular. I can I I uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Concatenate. I confuse these two podcasts a lot, and I think I've actually said things to the people who make causality. I've said to John, I think I might have mistaken one of the episodes of another show for his show, and now I feel bad about it. But these engineering podcasts are very good, highly, highly listenable, informative stuff. Oh, and I was, you know, what else I'll find? I'll find when I was on uh, John Chinji's uh, other show that's not about engineering. I would not invite me onto a show about engineering. That's just me, but I wouldn't do that. I think you'd be perfect for it, to be honest. Because I could bring a layperson's approach, a, a lack of understanding that people would find insightful. Well, it would give the audience someone to represent them. Oh, it's like he's he's the doctor. Mm-hmm. I'm the companion, is what you're saying. I'm the, I'm the I'm the Sarah Jane. Yes. Or am I the canine? Let's be honest. Quick uh, show recommendation. Yes. Um, it is uh, on. So I got a free subscription to Apple TV Plus. I guess when I bought, I don't know what I my phone. I guess I don't know. Yeah, Somehow I have it. Phone. Yeah. And, uh, and so there's this M night Shyamalan show called servant. I've heard this is great. Is it the guest or the servant or the, what is it called? The servant or just servant. I don't know. It's great. It's so I'm completely sucked into this. And the the episodes are only 30 minutes. Perfect. Uh, they're really good. They're really good. And I like, I, I was, I went into it thinking, well, maybe this will be something. But after the first episode, I was like. Okay, yeah, I'm here for this. This is really good. Isn't really it funny good. how that happens? Yes, it's it's so, it's so nice to have a low bar for something, like like the the magic show on Hulu that I still can't finish. The bar was so high for that that like I really felt like I was eating eating not not only my vegetables but everyone else's vegetables. Uh-huh. Whereas if I go into something <laughs> with extremely low expectations, I'm frequently delighted. I don't know what I thought Easy Rider was going to be, but I knew enough to know that I believe Dennis Hopper. Okay. Directed it. I'd never seen Easy Rider, and I started uh, watching it finally last night. And I'm only a few minutes in, but it's great. I, I, of course, we get to the scene that's depicted in a, in a famous Sloan video, and I ended up watching that instead and bringing my wife in. That's where my attention is at this point. But it was way better than I expected. And like the shots are beautiful. And like I guess Dennis Hopper kind of had it together for a little while in the late '60s. And, but um, <laughs> I, I like that. It's nice to go in not feeling overwhelmed by like the expectations of something. You know? I, I showed my son, uh, 13, I showed him, uh, did I already talk about this? I'm having a, a, a memory so thing. So you showed him one, the, one flew, yeah, no, one flew over it? the cuckoo's nest. Oh man. Oh man. I hadn't seen oh, that God. movie Mr. in a Mr. long Martini. time. Mm. I, I want my cigarettes, nurse ratchet. 
<laughs> and Billy, poor Billy. Oh my gosh. I, this He's movie, also the doctor in Deadwood. He's also the doctor in like, Deadwood. I, can't, I know. I can't, like, I'm sorry. Like the end of this movie is emotional. And I'm oh, like. It's crushing. The I'm water like, fountain. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. The chief. The first he time he goes, talks, he just it's goes. Just like, he says, I can't oh leave you God. here like this. I'm going to take you with me. I'm like, oh, oh my God. Don't it's do so it. Sad. Don't it's say so sad. It's so freaking sad. Oh, I can't think about it. Milos Forman. Milos Forman. Say it thrice and it's almost like praying. <laughs> and you know, and you know, Vincent Chiavelli, I think, is in almost all his movies. You know? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, Herr Salieri. <laughs> and he then, and, and so halfway through the movie, <laughs> he said, my, my son looks at me, he says, that's Danny DeVito. <laughs> I'm like, yes, it is. Yeah. He's like, I couldn't even recognize her. He looks totally the same, but different. I'm like, yes, two it's him. People, two people that would later be in Taxi are in that movie. Yeah. And I'm like, and that's Doc Brown. Reverend Jim. That's, Reverend that's, Jim's that's there, the Doc. Doc that's the Doc. He's like, what? That's I'm Doc like, it's Brown. Doc Brown. He's like, it is Doc Brown. I'm like, and this guy was in Lord of the Rings. He's like, it was. He was in Lord of the Rings. You know, I'm trying to find Wait, all the. Who? And I'm who? like, that guy who? was in Buckaroo Bonsai. He's like, you're right. Who's oh my god. Lord of the Rings? Um, the, Billy. He's the. No. He's the. He's the like. Um, not not quite wizard, but he's the like. Really, Illusion, I, I, you know, I know the guy that has from, the king under under this. his control, and he's working for Sor, 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 Soromon. So Soromon, oh boy, I'm getting a lot. I'm getting Lord of the Rings on all sides these days. But he's uh, he's also the guy in uh, Escape from New York. He's uh, he's you know a number one king in New York. He's Isaac Hayes's. And like, he's in uh, Dune. Oh my God, he's so in Dune. He's got the lip thing. <laughs> yeah, that's him. Yeah, <laughs> he did that. That's right. Oh my God, fear is the mind killer. It's a little death. Huh. Total oblivion. What's it called? The Krav, Krav Maga? What's the little pin thing? What's it called? What are they <laughs> yeah, called? Yes, the, it's uh, called Krav Maga. That's what it is. What's it called? Baba Ganoush? What do they call it? The the the, the Burj Khalifa? <laughs> what's it called? The Gom 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 Jabbar. And now you now you remember mine. Huh. 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 Weirding module. Yeah. He is the Queen Saturday. Okay. Uh, let's button this up. All right. Stay safe. I love you. Love you too, Merlin man. Stay safe! Shut up. Shut up.